0: another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I'm stoked to jump on the mic today with Amanda Kasgar. I have known Amanda for I think about 15 years which is a pretty wild ride and through 15 years there have been many iterations of ourselves, of the geographies that we've been in, of the companies that we've worked for and Amanda has undeniably forged a path of self-development that is just so freaking cool to be a witness to she left america she left canada she went over to asia she made a dent in the asian market in Luan, when Luan really wasn't a thing over there and has come home uh, back to america to create community of choice of like-minded people i'm like community almost doesn't feel like it does justice for the power of bringing values aligned human beings together One of her communities that I am so excited about is called Hysterical and it is helping to raise the whisper to a louder conversation about middle-aged women going through menopause. And I think we're in the middle of the wave of hearing a lot more about that. And I just have to commend the way in which Amanda rallies human beings behind a cause, a reason to raise your whisper, raise your vibration, come together to tell the truth, ah oh, it's such a delight and this podcast went in so many different places that i wasn't sure where we would go and i just i say this i'm, I'm stumbling over my tongue of, of what really is the proper introduction to the one to the only to amanda casgar i hope you enjoyed this one amanda casgar welcome to the show i am stoked to have you on the mic today nice to see you hi hi everyone <laughs> hi everyone I feel like it's so odd of me to call you Amanda. I will call you Amanda. It might be interchangeable with Casgar, and that is a term of only endearment for our listeners. Can we dive right in, and can you introduce us by Amanda, by Casgar? Who are you in 2023, my friend? Who am I in 2023?
1: That's a great point to a big question. Uh, In this moment, I'm a mom. I'm a partner. I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a middle-aged in a really positive way (laughs) that I choose. I am someone who teaches exercise class, somebody that believes that business is super fun and that um, community is
0: going to change the world again. Mm. Okay, let's start there. Community is going to change the world again. Can you tell me the First time you remember experiencing community changing your world?
1: You know, I didn't,
0: I don't think I had a relationship.
1: Like, community is such a big word. And I think there were probably a lot of times that I experienced it changing the world, but at the, or the qualities of it. You know, what I believe community is, is people orienting around a set of shared va- values, um, acting, you know, as stewards on behalf of those values and um, supporting. Each The well-being of um, whoever subscribes to that and i would say the first community i really powerfully belonged to was that of my school i was really lucky my parents did a lot to create the opportunity for me to go to an all-girls private school from first grade my mom's family were big believers in education and she yeah they fought hard for us to go there and even like through the volatility of growing up and my parents um, not having enough money to send me there and having to apply for scholarships and things like that. It was um, something I was able to maintain that relationship to that community from first to 12th grade. And I think it's where a lot of my values come from. It, I still have six best friends that I've known you know, from that time in my life. And yeah, I, I call the Halfway Brown School for Girls. We call it HB. Um, that community was the first one that I belonged to and really set me on a trajectory Takes me here to the who I am in 2023.
0: Mm, I love that. I also love that you share that while business is fun and you're involved in the world of business, you know, yourself as an entrepreneur, consulting within other businesses. Um, I know that there's and in, in the exercise space, I, I love that you're teaching classes. That to me is like the epitome of community. It's like a mm. moment in time. We come together, we're in a confined container. We're there for the class. Sometimes we dissipate from there and and form connection. But if nothing else, it's like that moment in time where we're sweating together always feels so special. And yet, I'm curious through your lens, where do you see an opportunity for community to be formed now? Like, what's what's next? Or I never want to say what's missing yet. As entrepreneurs, I think we exist for the missing pieces. What what's needed in the world of community right now, my friend? I keep vibrating around this notion of belief
1: and belief system. So we're living in this world that feels really precarious. And and in that, I think there's a relationship to belief that might feel tenuous in traditional institutions, like believing in religion and believing in government and believing in institutions. And I think we need to lift and shift that that responsibility of belief into other places in order to Mm -hmm. create community and and I think, in some ways, businesses and brands are a likely place to create a belief system, and and not in the way that it's dogmatic, but in the way that it's generative and aspirational and and galvanizing. So, if we believe in in our planet, for example, and we believe in create, in, you know, being stewards of our planet and climate change, then it's this to create better systems to, for our pa- for our planet and and to stop actually you know subscribing to practices and technologies that continue to hurt the planet right so that's what I mean like I think you know Patagonia is a storied beautiful iconic brand that a lot of people sort of hold up on a pedestal. And, and I ask why we do that. And it's because they they stand so firmly in a belief system. And they are they they speak about it transparently. And so it creates an opportunity for us to believe along with them, or to participate along with them in a way that I think is really powerful. And so if anybody here is runs a, you know, listening here runs a brand or a business, I think, you know, it's, a powerful question to be in. What do What do I believe? What does my business believe in? How can we steward on behalf of something bigger than ourselves, and and create a place for people to participate with us in that purpose, so that we can leave the planet, the world, people, communities better than we found them. And I think um, if we're all if we're all up to that work, then there's possibility in that. There's possibility that something will change and shift for the positive.
0: Mm, yes. I get one of my favorite emails that I get every day is from the Carbon Almanac, and it has been talking about how we need to have our climate hacks on at work. And it's not just a climate conversation around the dinner table. And I think that that is something that we can all stand for. In this day and age it's like may there be climate change that we care about may there be peace and may we be kind to our neighbors like can we start there that would be great yeah not- and
1: yeah can we be responsible individually and then can we participate and be responsible collectively and can we hold those absolutely. two things together together
0: yeah absolutely well um speaking of holding things together you did share that you are middle-aged and yeah. all of the things that middle age mean. And I think that's holding more than two things together. And it does also feel like the perfect segue into, you know, into your work and your world as a middle aged person. But can we start with tell me more. Tell me about the yeah. vibration, the definition, what does it mean for you? And and why is it so important that it does hit your your bio? Uh
1: well I'm 45. I just turned 45 and you know everybody not everybody but I'm I'm sure that this won't be the first time that you know we hear fifty is the new forty and sixty is the new fifty. You know, like we're always saying X is the new Y. But I've I've worked in health and well being for you know and personal growth for the whole part of my career. You know, I started working at Oprah and that's where I really learned about this journey of personal growth. And I spent and you and I met at Lululemon where we were both for a number of years. And and so there's a very real you know, opportunity to choose this age 45 in a way that it doesn't feel like I'm a victim to aging.
0: I'm hitting the pause button on this sweet episode to tell you about something that you might like. Our newsletter, we call it The Corkboard. It has all things juicy, whether you are looking to keep in touch between episodes or find out more about our coaching, development, or hot new jobs that we're working on. The link is in our show notes. Your inbox is sacred and your time is too. So now let's get back to the episode.
1: Okay, so I'm 45 and I had a kid at 41. And after having ED, I was learning from a friend of mine who's always worked in health and fitness how she had been, been doing her dissertation on menopause and how there was a lack of a whisper culture. And I started, you know, learning from her what was happening in that face. And she, she's always my maven in that in that world. And she started dropping knowledge on me around menopause and how at that life stage that it happens. And it was clear to me that it happened in our 40s, mostly as women, you know, the average age that women go through menopause is 51. But the definition of menopause is the, is the moment you realize it's been 12 months since your last period. So that, so that average moment is, is 51 years old. But the truth is that symptoms can happen or, you know, the decline of hormones can happen up to 10 years before that. And it can affect people in lots of different ways. 70% of women have experiences of menopause disrupting their life, and no one was talking about it. And so here I was 41 postpartum and having a lot of experiences, not sleeping, feeling super emotional, like really dealing with the precariousness of, of all these transitions that I'd made in my life and not knowing whether I was postpartum or if, if I was premenopausal or if I was just 41 and, and knowing that I didn't want to age like my mom did where, you know, she talked about hot flashes for 20 years and I, and I saw her start to lose choice in lots of different ways um and so in the in the context of of jenny's sort of awareness we, and and we started talking to another friend of ours carolyn manning who many of people might know so jenny o'mira and carolyn manning we started to say like what would it look like if we created community around this life stage and it, and we could call it middle age or we could call it menopause and really both things you know the first idea was that it needed a rebrand because <laughs> Who likes to hear, you know, middle age, you know, it's not necessarily something that leaves us, you know, sparkly and thinking in effervescent tones, you know, nor, nor does menopause. And so that's where we started. And that's what led to hysterical.
0: Oh, gosh, I giggle because I'm like, I feel like you're talking about the the quiet community. It's the community that exists within every single person at in, you know, every single woman. And in varying capacities, and whether you're perimenopausal or you're in menopause, I mean that too is going to go through ebbs and flows and waves of change. And I was like, we're not talking about this in the workplace. And we're not talking about like how it shows up at work. And let alone, you know, girlfriends coming together to talk about it is safe and beautiful. But it kind of reminds me of being like 10 to 12 years old and getting your period on the playground for the first time. And like Mm -hmm hiding tampons so you don't have to talk about bleeding and i'm like this is just so part of the female bodied experience and you know in today's day and age i think we're talking more about hormones from a trans perspective and there's you know the laws and legalities around around those hormones yet we're not talking about the hormones that women are taking female bodied people are taking simply to manage their day to day you know that this is just called life. And so how what was that experience like in bringing you know the 42 to 51 year old playground conversation to real life and and tell us about that journey. And of course, we'll plug all of the places and spaces to find you and those conversations online because they are juicy, they are fun. They are what we all need to hear. Well, juicy
1: and fun, thank you. I mean, that's the, actually the goal. Like what we noticed in, in the space of menopause in middle age is that the tone was also doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't who we wanted to be in the world. That wasn't who our friends were, and so, the The possibility was: can we can we bring education and conversation and community to this space in a way that's energizing and fun and that returns us to choice? We believe that mature women with agency, confidence, and curiosity are needed to change the world. That's what we believe at Hysterical. We think you know there's all sorts of data that um, female-led countries are further ahead in climate change, and um, you know companies that have positive policies around. Uh, maternity leave and menopause are, you know, doing are stewarding, you know, sort of better business outcomes. There's all sorts of data there. And we know as being women and in female bodies, how powerful this energy is and how transformative it is to any space that we're in. And we didn't want to, you know, go the way of so many generations before where women were dropping out of work or their life or um, their relationship because it was getting too hard and no one was talking about it. So that was, that was the, the thing to solve for. And we do it by creating access to information. I think what, I mean, to answer your question, I sort of went on a tangent there, but to answer your question, as we started on this journey, what we realized is we didn't know anything. And, and you, your your point of view on the playground is so right on because we actually didn't really learn enough about menstruating or you know what was happening for our bodies Four months menstru- menstruation when we got our periods the first time. But it but getting that, our periods for the first time sends us on this whole lifelong journey, not even lifelong, this you know, 30 to 40 year journey of being a body that is sort of on the receiving end of wild hormone fluctuations, you know, every day of and every month. And one of our experts, she's a psychologist, she said how happy she was to have gone through menopause because the veil of hormones had lifted. And when you start to look at it like that, as this sort of this, this screen that you see the world through, you can see how, how imposing it is to be in the, in the, in the, draft of the headwinds of of fluctuating hormones and how understanding that more can return us to power and choice on the day to day and not be victims, you know, in in these female bodies or or the different, you know, our different bodies. And the other thing we learned through this work, and then I'll pause because I'm monologuing, but we're living in this medical system that for hundreds of years has not looked at female bodies as different than men's bodies. Not until 2016 was it mandated that studies for drugs and, and medicine and everything was was also, you know, we looked at at women in the trials as we looked at men. 2016, you know, that's seven years ago. It is it, it's like, it's wild to think about. And, and and again, women have been bleeding since the dawn of time. So, but we didn't think our bodies were different. Like, come come on, you know? So I think what I've realized in this work is that I'm a feminist, you know, and I think I've always been a feminist, but I didn't awaken to my responsibility as a feminist and this third wave of feminism. until I realized what the effect of all these different systems on were, were, were imposing upon women and what we actually knew about our own bodies.
0: Oh, yes. And I just need to say, I mean, I have not had a child at 41, um, but I was, I want to say, a victim of bleeding for two continuous years because I didn't know who to ask or what to do. And I really thought that the same way that it came on, it was just going to like miraculously leave my body. And that was two years. And it was a wild ride. And I remember women saying they felt like they were cows when, when breastfeeding that like their boobs were just pumping out milk. And I was like, I feel like I've been a slaughtered cow that I'm just Mm. like, gosh, who do you turn to? And who do you help? And, and I'm in Canada, and our healthcare system is a little bit different than America. A lot different than America, yet it's, it's it's also a lot smaller. And so the what comes with with that is, if you're thirty five to forty ish in Canada and you're not procreating, you're kind of at the bottom of the list when it relates to anything mm. female gynecological. And that is a trip that we don't talk about. Like where are the doctors that aren't delivering babies and we just don't have enough of them. And so I'm so glad that the women that are pregnant have the care they need. Absolutely. And you know, what are the stories or the the red lines that let's call it like the rest of us experience when you're like, I'm not giving birth. So I'm just going to bleed in the corner. And gosh, that was a trip of a lifetime. Did you figure it out? Well, I figured it out. I had, I ended up having surgery and that was another battle of, you know, fighting for female organs to stay in place. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, not all things are meant to be out of our body. Some of these things we need to figure out a way to keep inside of our body and age, age has a lot to do with that. So yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing to know.
1: Like if anybody, here's like the, the, the factoids, the glow factoids, ovaries. So the ovaries, it's an organ. They age two and a half times faster than any organ in the human body. And the ovaries are directly responsible for managing our sex hormones. And so when you think about the entire endocrine system, which is how our hormones, hormones are regulated, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and all sorts of other things, if those are aging so much faster, that's why women go, go through menopause before the end of our lifespan. We're only one of like 12 species that actually go through menopause and that exist after we're able to create life. And, and there's this hypothesis that it's because grandmothers are so valuable that we need to stop breeding in order to help support the tribe in a different way. So there's so much power around this last part of our life after we stop bleeding um, and are able to have children because we want to contribute to the tribe or our community in a different way. It's called the crone. Um, and it, which is such a weird kind of negative connotation life phase. Um, So so that probably needs a rebrand too. But, you know, if you had anything removed, or if you're not able to have kids, and you're sort of thrust into this grown phase, know that it's the most powerful phase, because you're able to care for the community in a different way than if you've got a kid on your tit,
0: (laughs) which is also super powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, like I said, we'll make sure check out the show notes, all of the links. So powerful to be in the real conversation. And I hope we have men and male-bodied humans listening to realize what the the other part of the species are going through right now as well. What's happening in the world. Please educate yourself, all all human beings. Yeah, it's so true. I'm so glad you said that stuff because it, I mean, the call to action is for everyone
1: to learn more to know more. I think if we stood in this place where one, we recognize that when female and male bodies were different, and we shouldn't expect the same things from them. And we shouldn't actually like create any judgment around that difference, right? And then if we were to have empathy for the other person's experience, if I'm in a female body, if I, I want to have empathy for the male experience, and for my own and that self compassion, I think we would we would be in relationships in different ways. And
0: there'd be a lot more kindness. Mm, yes. You mentioned kindness. I need to reflect back a word I've heard many times. I was writing this down as you were speaking, and that is choice. And we can tangent, we can go off a highway. I don't want to put any of my preemptive ideas as to where this comes from for you. I just, I need to know your relationship with choice, my friend. What, where does it come from? How do you keep it so top of mind? And it feels like a golden, a golden word in your vocabulary. Can you tell me more? Yeah, I think, I think choice is a superpower that we all have access to i
1: think it's the the thing to to ask when you don't feel powerful where am i not in choice right now and how can i return to that and you know a way to to access it is to take responsibility you know what am i taking responsibility for for where i am in this moment and and then again like where am i a victim where maybe i can stop being a victim and i can and i can be in choice again. And so I spoke about it related to hysterical and menopause because being a victim to aging, I mean, can you imagine if we were all just victims to aging, like this inevitable human experience as we march forward? and i and I think we're sort of in this backdrop of culture where we're either vic- a victim to it or in denial, which are which is not powerful either. And so, Can we like, can we say, well, what, what is true? Like, how can I take responsibility for being 45? And what am I choosing right now? I have all of this wisdom. I have all of the self-awareness. I have all of this life experience and context to draw from so that I can be kinder, more compassionate, more purposeful and better relationships so that I can have a stronger boundaries around where my yes is and where my no is. You know, there's like so much that's beautiful about being in this 45 year old body that, you know, I want everybody who's listening to look at themselves in their body and their, in their life experience and say, good job. <laughs> good job. You're doing, you're doing great. You're doing the best you can. You're doing awesome. it's hard work being human. I mean, it takes a lot of practice being human and, um, and the older we are, the more practice we have.
0: So isn't that great? Oh, isn't that so great. I, I have two last questions for you. And I want to know, you speak about restoring yourself. You speak about coming back to choice and asking yourself these questions. I'm wondering who you turn to and is it a literal person? Is it a book? Is it someone on Instagram, never on Instagram? what brings you both inspiration and like the reminders and jolts that you need when you're being imperfectly human
1: i have a lot of help i mean from a personal perspective i i like to journal and so that's a practice that in that i think has been the most transformative for me in my life like I've always, I've done a lot of yoga and meditation, but journaling for me is like, it gets deep fast. And then uh, Eric, my partner and I have this amazing couple therapist. Her name is Julie Caldwell. I'll send you the link so you can put it in the show notes. I think she's a a wonder. And we've done a couple, we're recording one that's coming Friday. So I don't know when this podcast is going out, but you'll be able to follow Hysterical's podcast and listen to two shows with Julie. She is wonderful. And she has such an amazing sense of humor related to all of this work and and such an amazing toolkit. And I think, you know, being in a committed relationship is one of the hardest things I've ever done. I got really, really good at being single, (laughs) really good. And I learned a lot about myself in those years. uh, And I'm learning 10 times more, you know, being in a committed relationship. And so having her help us steward that has been invaluable. And then I think the book that I like to recommend the most is Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth. I think if that sparks anything for you as you're listening to this, read it. Because I I find that he has a way of popping up at the time when somebody needs him. And yeah, he popped up for me at a time of incredible need. Uh, I had been living in Asia and it it was pretty tricky and transformative and amazing. But um, I read that book and I had a lot of aha moments.
0: Hmm. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. I think tools that can appear to be as simple as journaling are really, really transformative. And sometimes you need jumping off points or journaling points. Something that I read about recently in, in a book was how you end your day and start your day. And it was how you declare to have won the day at the end of the day. And then how you set your day up by winning the day so that we create these positive loops in our brain about the good that we are doing and achieving or Experiencing, and that we can then therefore have a memory of the good, and so winning the day (WTD) is the hashtag that seems to pop up at the start of all of my journal entries these days, and it's really powerful. It's three things, three bullets. Let it be simple. The beginning and the end of every day feels really. You do the three bullets at the beginning and at the end. So, how will I win the day, and how did
1: I win the day? That's right. That's awesome. I'll definitely take that on. That's so great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Positive. Well, and the kicker was that at the end of the day, you declare how I won the day. And then that night, you declare the three things I'll do tomorrow to win the day. So it's, you know, you're planting the seeds of what I'm going to do tomorrow. And in the morning, sometimes I'm like, yes, those are the things I'm going to win the day. And sometimes they've changed. And so in that time, now they're going to be different. It's the the act of being so intentional of planting the seeds of winning the day on your own terms, your definition only three, and I think that I love that. You know, really i do that on my notes
1: on my phone. I, at the end of the day, I'll like do the Wordle, do you know the New York Times connections, and then I and then I am like, and now what? And so now I'll oh. open a note and say, how am I going to win the day tomorrow? Because I win the I day. find that I want to. I'll go to Instagram, and then I I just really don't want to be there. So yeah. where else do I want to be? That's great,
0: beautiful. Beautiful. Um, Okay, I said I had two questions. I have to ask you one more, because it's not often that I get a podcast, a podcast host on the show as a guest. And so I really (laughs) want to know what is the one question that I didn't ask you that if you were the host of this conversation, what is the question I, I really should have asked? And can you answer that for us?
1: I I think the juicy way in is like, what, what am I afraid of? Because we've talked Mm. a lot about choice and power. But I think the flip side of choice is fear. And Mm. I think the places that scare you, Pema Chodron is also another great Mm. teacher um, of the world. And she wrote a book, The Places That Scare You. And I think looking at fear is a really great place to understand someone. And, you know, I think being, so what am I afraid of? I'll get emotional. So (laughs) here you are. Um, You know, being a mom is like, it's transformative and amazing, and it's terrifying. I look at, you know, I have a stepdaughter and a daughter. I look at these kids, and all I want to do is protect them. Mm. And this world is terrifying. Mm. And so that scares me. Mm. And yeah, I think the more I can do to be myself and, yeah, just not be in fear, you know, as I raise these beautiful people, uh, the better. And we all have things that scare us, but I think for all of the moms and dads in this world, that are looking after little humans. Like I, I see you, you know, we see each other that it's, it's scary. And I know, you know, we do the best we can, but it, yeah, it's hard.
0: It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Compassion on all of it. And, and praise be because who you were as a four year old is just such the world that you were in as a four year old is such a different world than your daughter is now experiencing. And that's wild.
1: Yeah. And I'll also say like, you don't have to have a kid to look after kids, right? So we're all parents in some way or aunties or uncles or something. So I want to say that, you know, that we're all helping raise this next generation, even if we're their bosses or their coaches and things like that. And I have to believe that, You know, it feels really hard right now because it's happening for us, but I'm sure it felt as hard when our parents were our age and their parents were our age. You know, I think about my grandparents in a world war, you know, and our world is at war in a different way than it was at war then and in the hundreds of years before that. So I have to feel, you know, again, like let's not our our generation be a victim to right now and Mm -hmm. this right now being harder than any right now that existed before and let it galvanize into making the world a better place. Mm. Like, what are we doing? (laughs) Like, What are we doing if we're not doing that, is my question.
0: Got it, yes. May you be the victim police, may you be the awakening (laughs) giant, may you be the beacon of choice and light and still be terrified and get up and do it every day. I think this is what I need to hear on repeat. We can be scared and do it anyway. We can be terrified and choose it anyway. And to your point, it's so beautiful that whether you are a maternal, paternal parent, or you are here to support the collective, let it be known that you have a choice in how you show up for that community. And I guess really what I'm hearing, my friend, is that this generation needs us and we need each other. And like, Mm -hmm. hang on, hang out, be in it. Don't check out. We We need to be awake right now. Yeah,
1: yeah. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Oh, bless. Okay, I've taken up too much time but I just couldn't stop. I had one question after another and you were too good to riff. And and I don't <laughs> even know if this feels right yet. I must wrap every podcast with knowing what is making your heart beat faster today. Today my heart beats faster. Okay.
1: This is the this is the truth. I am engaged to my partner Eric who is a wonderful, magical human the father of edie who is also wonderful and magical and um and like the thought of getting married makes me really like fluttery and i and i know that i want to and i know that it also scares me and so that is that's the truth it can be both things and i and i um and it's and it's wild because growing up it's all i ever really wanted was to be married you know and now that i'm in this partnership with this person who is perfect for me I, yeah it it still feels scary, and so you know wh- where I've grown the most in my life is where um I've had a little bit of that fluttery fear and then I followed it a hundred percent and so I know that that is this too, but I guess what I'll say is that fear can also be a positive a really positive place for information so so that's that's where the flutter is right now.
0: I love it. I love it. May your butterflies flutter in information. <laughs> and I mean, there might be a caterpillar, there might be a butterfly. I think it's very, very beautiful to see something new come. And I ask the question because I'm always so excited to know what is making someone's heartbeat faster with whatever emotion or feeling that brings about. And yeah, fear and excitement feel the same in the body. So
1: it's just a matter of again, let, like, how am I letting it, you know, how, like, what story am I creating around it?
0: Beautiful. Well, let's just mic drop that and say what story (laughs) are you creating in this one wild, precious and beautiful life? I thank you so much for jumping on. Thank you for being vulnerable and truthful. Thank you for telling us about so much more of your life than the incredible brands and the incredible communities and all of the contributions you've made. I feel really inspired about a future because of this. And we'll make sure there are links below so people can find out all of the good things about you. And what I will say is, like, we don't always get to find these kinds of things out about people online in the same way. And that is why I'm so passionate about hitting record and having a conversation and and asking questions that you just never know the answer to. Well, thanks for having space for this. You are a great question asker, Steph. Well, thanks. I could ask questions all day long. I'm here for them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go yeah. forth. and may you make powerful choices.
1: Yes. And to you, friend, and to everyone out there.
0: And you know what makes my heart beat faster? The fact that I get to share with you that this podcast is brought to you in partnership with More Good Media our friends over at more good media are spreading the good word one conversation one podcast at a time so thanks so much for your support we are so glad to be here in partnership oh hey before you go you know listening to podcasts on this thing called the internet it's a wild ride and what would be so helpful on our wild journey is if you would be so kind to jump on and give us a review four maybe even five stars it really helps thanks for joining us